news, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Uh, S here, Lauren joining me as always. Lauren, um, how's your new been new year been so far? Good? Thumbs it's- up. I'd say it's been great. It's going to be a lot greater tomorrow when DeJounte Murray becomes trade eligible. <laughs> oh, it is. Just, is it? Is that the day? Have, have you been waiting for that day? You know, it's funny. I've been waiting um, I saw I saw people jumping on you for your fan spo. Ah, uh, yes. For your fan spo trade stuff. Mm-hmm. Keep doing you. I Keep... will always do the trade stuff. I know I you will. Always do, or like the trade pictures, because I will say. Real quick, I think that anytime you include the fan spo trade something, it mm-hmm. almost like triggers everyone to be like yeah. in an uproar. And yeah. I I mean, I think it's kind of funny. And I also am like, look, everybody involved here, the point of especially when there's multiple teams and a lot of players, people are not gonna generally like that, which is fine. Yeah. But I'm like, each of these teams, if you really look at it, each of these teams even Whoever you think the winners and losers are, every single team has a need that they need to address, and every single team needs to, like needs to address them now. And the deal can't get done without the inclusion of all four teams. So, right. like I don't know the trade the trade pictures. I'm always going to do them. I think they're so fun trying to get as close as you can because you're never going to get it exactly right. And what also cracks me up is that people, including myself, spend so much time trying to get it exactly right. And then you'll see a trade happen and you're like, why would that happen? Like there's a very clear loser, whatever actually does right. end up coming out. So it's all just part of the fun for me. It is. But I it love is. it. I yeah, love no. trade season. It's Listen, electric. It, <laughs> this is. I've said this before. This is your Christmas. You mm-hmm. can relish 100%. in it as much as you possibly want. Um, and I kind of wanted to bring up two teams that might be pretty active in the trade uh, you know, cycle over this next month. The first team is the Los Angeles Lakers. Trouble in La La Land, ladies and gentlemen. They have lost, uh, you know, eight of their last 10 games. They've lost three in a row. They are now under 500 for the first time this season. They're only three wins uh, since the in-season tournament championship is against San Antonio, Against OKC, really good win, and against Charlotte. So two of those three wins that they had is against two teams that are not very good. They have been losing and losing in pretty rough fashion. It has not looked great for the Los Angeles Lakers since they won the in-season tournament. Um, there's a lot to dissect there. Mm-hmm. They could possibly be active at the trade deadline. A report came out today from Shams Charania saying that you know, maybe Darvin Ham and the rest of the Lakers players, if you will, don't necessarily see eye to eye on some of the decisions. The Lakers have made multiple changes to their starting lineup in this stretch that they've been struggling. They have been trying things. I think for the most part, th- there has been a proactive level of trying from, from a Raptors perspective, ladies and gentlemen. I, I gotta say this because, you know, one of the complaints from Raptors Twitter and fan base and whatnot is that They're not actively trying to change the lineups or rotations or whatnot. That was one of the biggest complaints for Darko. And at least Darwin Ham is trying to change the lineups. He's shifted it up a bunch of different times. 
but it also has clearly pissed off the players who are also being thrown into multiple different lineups. Lineups are going to be a massive part of this conversation we have with the Lakers. And I have some numbers here that I'll bring up in a bit, but just in general, before we get into, you know, why the Lakers are struggling, what, what have you sort of noticed in terms of what is wrong? Because from the outside perspective, LeBron, age 39, having an incredible season, probably an all NBA type player. Most likely we just had the all-star voting results will be an all-star this year, uh, all-star starter this year. Anthony Davis, you know, putting up 28 and 11, doing so with great defense throughout, uh, has been maybe the most consistent player on the Lakers this season. Austin Reeves, since going to the bench, has been a wholly more efficient player. He's been great, excellent, making decisions, et cetera, et cetera. The defense has not been good, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. The three Lakers stars, you know, the guys they're kind of hanging their hat on have played really well, but this team is just not pulling out wins by any stretch of the imagination. So what do you think is going on, man? I think, oh God, I think it's a, it's a, maybe a handful of, of different things. I mean, they put, putting Austin Reeves back in the starting lineup last game against Miami looked to, I don't want to say it worked out well for them because they lost, but Austin Reeves did play well in the starting lineup. That being said, what does that mean for your bench? You mentioned the efficiency of Austin Reeves coming off of the bench previously, but then what does that mean for the starting lineup? I mean, the the Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, Rui Hachimura, like different guys that have come in and started all throughout the year, not having that continuity matters. And I think that that is the biggest thing that kind of sums up what's going on with the Lakers right now. I don't yeah. think it's, you know, Austin Reeves fault or LeBron or ADs obviously, but I do think that they're kind of seeing this harsh reality of, okay, maybe the group around this core is not as strong as we thought it, it was. And I do think that outside of the trio that, that we've talked about, I think Torian Prince, J- Jared Vanderbilt and Roy Hachimura and, and also D when he, when he's healthy are, and, and even Gabe Vincent, but also again, not healthy. Those are solid players to have on the roster, but you're not consistently getting what you need. And so yeah. I think you have to kind of reassess, is it a lineup thing? Is it a coaching thing, which seems to be the conversation right now? Or is it a player personnel thing? And I do think that it's a bit of a blend of all three to what degree with the coaching, I guess we'll see what happens in the following weeks or months or whatever that however long these right. thing, this thing kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say it's run its course, but it certainly seems like Laker fans feel that it has run its course with Darvin Ham. Yeah, the cachet of a coach is so small in this league, so short, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, he they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. Darwin Ham was making adjustments, tweaking things. I think he was heralded for some of the changes that he made to the starting lineup to adjust, especially in that Warriors series with Dennis Schroeder and Jared Vanderbilt. Like, he was adjusting and doing well. Um, and I think, I don't know, it's just interesting that the cachet a player or a coach has nowadays is just not that bountiful, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. The one thing that stuck out to me, and I watched the the Lakers heat game this morning just to sort of see what was up. Um, their offense is terrible. And it's crazy because they have LeBron James and Anthony <laughs> Davis and Austin Reeves is good. And like D'Lo didn't play last night, but for the most part, when D'Lo is healthy, he's able he to fits. give them a nice offensive punch, but it just doesn't seem like it's enough. They're 22nd in offensive rating. I think one of the biggest underlying issues is their three-point shooting, 29th in three-point attempts, 24th in three-point percentage. So they're not only not taking enough threes, they're also not making enough threes. And if you remember 
That was their issue last year when they had Russell Westbrook. It was this team is bottom of the barrel when it comes to three point percentage. This team was bottom of the barrel when it came to three point attempts. And when you have a team centered around LeBron and AD, two guys who are barreling into the paint, two guys who are getting to the free throw line constantly, two guys who need the space to drive to the basket, that becomes much more difficult to do when you don't have the requisite shooting. And to your point, Earlier about that supporting cast, you look at Rui Hachimura, hasn't shot the ball well. Torian Pence has had consistent games, but so far pretty lackluster in the shooting department. They're obviously missing Gabe Vincent, who is a pretty good knockdown shooter. I think overall, they are missing that three-point element to stretch the floor for this team to make the offense make more sense. And when you throw in the starting lineup, guys, obviously Jared Vanderbilt is not a three-point shooter. Torian Prince has tried. Cam Reddish is not a three-point shooter. And so now you come with, come up with the problem that this offense just hasn't been good enough to sustain. And you look at their defense, which is 10th, top 10 in the league. They've done a good job defensively. Anthony Davis has been very, very good. Their offense just isn't good enough. And I, I think my issue with that is maybe a little bit of the rotations and staggering their lineups and staggering their starters. I'll give you some numbers here. So LeBron, AD, D'Angelo Russell without Austin Reeves in 311 minutes, plus 8.9. Very, very good. LeBron and Austin Reeves without Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell, plus 18.4. Extremely good. Okay. LeBron, at that starting lineup in general, LeBron, uh, um, you know, AD, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves in 211 minutes, minus two. LeBron, AD, Austin Reeves without D'Lo, minus three. So there is clearly, clearly they have to pick, in my opinion, between D'Lo and Austin Reeves because mm-hmm. their point of attack defense with those two is absolutely cooked. You're forcing way too much, you know, of, of AD to be that backline help, that rim protection type. And on top of that, I actually think they're maybe like the, the, the three point shooting juice that they're hoping to get from those backcourt guys isn't happening as much because you maybe need that fourth, that fifth starter is what the Lakers are desperately lacking. The, the Cam Reddish role, the Jared Vanderbilt role, the Torian Prince role, that just hasn't panned out, right? right? You might have hoped it would be Rui Hachimura, but it hasn't been that. And he's been hurt to be fair, but. I think that's the issue here with this team. They, the, the depth and the, you know, we, we talked about it when we were kind of previewing this team in the offseason, but what we thought was going to be depth inevitably has not turned into depth. That's something that also applies to the Phoenix Suns. We looked at their moves this summer and we're like, Oh my God, around the margins, they signed all these vet men guys. It looks great, but it doesn't look that great on the court because Mm -hmm. they're relying so heavily on their stars. And it's become an issue. And so now, dot, 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 looking towards trade season, looking towards desperation, you know, as a team that has LeBron competing, 39 years old, whatever, Anthony Davis having a really healthy season, competing, whatever, Austin Reeves turning up, doing well. You look around the league and you say, okay, what can we get? What could work, right? Right. Are we going to go out and get Pascal Siakam? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's even. I would even, die. I, I, I would don't even. Die. I would be very confused, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, the, the, the thing that drives me nuts about the Lakers is that you cannot, nobody is off the table. It doesn't matter yeah. what they have to trade. And I, I firmly believe that. Even if even if the package is not equivalent and other teams can beat them by a mile, you cannot rule them out because I feel like I have just seen it so many freaking times that I'm like, is this 
is this actually for real? So when it comes to stuff like that, I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try, yeah. but I do think that there are a lot of options for them to add shooting specifically defensively. I think that there are ways for them, whether they retain Rui, Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, whoever it ends up being, I think that there are lots of options for them to go out and, and with the contracts that they have, whether it be moving Gabe Vincent or um, really who, I mean, there are lots of options for them to move. I don't know if they'll move D'Lo, but I do think that there are plenty of at different tiers of different salary numbers where they could add shooting without giving up too much defense. Right. I think, I think if push came to shove, they could move D'Lo. I, I think, think so too. It's the Reeves that I'm like, yeah, I, I just don't think Austin Reeves is going to be included in any sort of deal. Um, and I, I, I think that even applies for Zach Levine. I think that applies for Alex Caruso. I think that applies for a lot of different ways. And, um, I, I, I don't know what type of player you could look at me right now. You know, I just mentioned the three point shooting woes, the creation woes, the, the, the need for offensive juice and floor spacing and all that stuff. And Levine fits that picture, right? Like Levine can come in. Oh, yeah. Be a tertiary score, release valve on the weak side, you know, hit some shots, be this guy who can cut to the rim, all that type of stuff. Maybe when LeBron and AD are off, now he can be that creator for them, him and Austin Reeves. I think offensively, that would be a really fun team. The juice would be there, in my opinion. You could consider DeMar DeRozan at a lesser level, being like, okay, secondary creation, another guy who can get some shots up, et cetera, you know, make plays for others. I think that that makes sense. And then if you somehow steal Alex Caruso in that deal, you now have like this Swiss army knife type of player that works well. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, do they have enough in the tank to go out and get any of those guys? Um, And they obviously have the salary. Right. And that's where January 15th, to your point earlier about DeJounte Murray, January 15th comes into play in them potentially making any moves. The Lakers have always been aggressive. They have always been ready to kind of take that risk. They already made uh, a pretty substantial change last year at the deadline by trading Russell Westbrook, by moving off of those picks, they did enough to to get themselves to the Western conference finals. Now, to be fair, I think this team has a higher ceiling than last year's team, even given Mm -hmm. the, the kind of, I guess, commotion going on with this Lakers team right now, but it is getting to the point where you have to question one, I guess the rotations with Darwin Ham and, and how he's going to be able to kind of figure things out with this team. And if he can, first of all, if he can have a team that's committed to believing in whatever he's trying to preach. <laughs> and number two, if this team is going to make any moves, because it usually ends up the Lakers making some sort of move. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I expect them I expect them fully to make a move. I do feel like they're the most likely destination for Zach Levine, as crazy as that may sound, but I, I don't know how it's gonna work in terms of them trading for a big name player. But I also like even a name like Seth Curry, who I think a very low like very low contract that they could very easily pick up. So I fully expect, I'm not saying that they're going to get Seth Curry, but I absolutely think that the Lakers will go out and make multiple moves to just improve and maybe even kind of shift the distribution of, of, youth to kind of maybe a few more vets a few more shooting just can jump right in and and do whatever you need them to and i think i mean i think yeah. even alec burks is, is a good name for them so yeah. i think that they could look i don't want to say totally different post deadline but i'm very what i'm keeping an eye on is are both d'angelo russell and austin reeves a part of this team post february 8th if i had to bet i would say one of them um yeah. i i think one of them for sure and i and by the way it's like 90% Austin Reeves, 10% D'Angelo <laughs> Russell. Like, I don't really think it's even a conversation uh, when it comes to which one of those. I just think Austin Reeves is like so entrenched he's, 
yeah, in the future, in the you know, all that stuff. Okay. Um, enough Lakers talk there. We'll see what happens with them. It's obviously a, a kind of uh, transpiring story, if you will. The Brooklyn Nets are also another team that is struggling, Lauren. They are really, really struggling. They have lost five in a row. They also have lost eight of their last 10. And I will just go and show you their record over the last little bit. Okay. Since December, let's, let's go until, you know, the, the, the in-season tournament. Let's just keep that as kind of a delineation mark for these teams. Okay. Their only wins come against, they have three wins since December 11th. Okay. One of those wins against the Phoenix Suns. Cool. Nice. Awesome win. Sounds good. I don't know if anybody was hurt in that game. I can go double check in a second. The only two other wins the, the, the Brooklyn Nets have are back to back wins against the Detroit Pistons. So that means they just beat the team that they were supposed to, and then they got one against the Suns. The Nets have struggled immensely. It has not looked good. And I think similar to the Lakers, there's actually conversations about Jacques Vaughn, Mm -hmm. the rotation, how much of a buy-in there is. I saw a lot of Nets fans last night complaining about Nick Claxton and his inability. He's been struggling as of late. Mikhail Bridges, you know, being thrust into their this primary role has struggled over this month, to be honest with you. Hey, I have him on my fantasy team. I'm watching him every single night, not looking that good. Uh, inefficient score, not able to get to his spots, not able to make plays for others. You know, a lot of the steps that are required to become that primary option, Mikhail Bridges is not being successful at right now. Mm-hmm. And I think this Nets, this Nets team in general is just wholly confusing. They don't have a lot of roster balance. They have far too many wings. They have far too many contracts that don't necessarily play in a Ben Simmons. And I honestly just wonder, what is the point of this team is my real question. And I I don't want to sound too harsh because I understand they don't own their pick right now. They want to be as competitive as possible this year because of that. But given that, right, I still need to know there's some sort of sense of direction, some sort of an idea for what this team is supposed to look like. And you look at, you look at the Nets and it's like, okay, Mikhail Bridges, you know, 34 minutes a night, looking really good, can probably be a second or third option on a really, really good team, right? But not a first option. Maybe he's punching above his weight a little bit too much right now. Mm-hmm. You look throughout the roster, Ben Simmons, we have no idea what's ever going to happen with Ben Simmons. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be, you know, an NBA player for much longer after that contract expires. Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay, cool. Nice guard. Decent. Not bad at all. Pretty impactful for the most part. Consistent guard. Still, that's not something that you can hang your hat on. Cam Thomas, right? Cam Thomas, exciting 40 point per game. Cam Thomas has looked terrible outside of being able to score the ball. Cannot do anything else. Can't pass the ball. Can't rebound. Can't defend. It's just been very, very ugly in all of the minutes Cam Thompson has played. Cameron Johnson, again, another good secondary player, tertiary player, a guy who can play off of other stars. But Lauren, there are no one, there's no other star on this roster Mm -hmm. for him to play off of. And I can keep going down the list. Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, even Lonnie Walker. They've got some good minutes out of Dayron Sharp and Dennis Smith Jr. this season. But like, do any of those names pop out to you as we are going to build a franchise cornerstone around? No, absolutely not. And I wonder, you know, kind of going back to our trade conversation, Mm -hmm. if this team gets involved in making a move, Nick Claxton, 
unrestricted free agent this summer can walk if he wants to. Dorian Finney-Smith, obviously a highly touted prospect, not prospect, highly touted rotation player that can help, you know, a a championship team. Same applies to Royce O'Neal. Does this team make a shakeup? Is my question to you, since this is your Christmas, how do you feel? (laughs) Right. I fully expect them to make at least one, at least one. I would expect, honestly, multiple, because you mentioned Nick Claxton, and that is a situation that I'm like, ooh, defensive player of the year candidate last year, but under 25, unrestricted free agent, like you said. He wants money. He He wants wants money. money, And right now, Brooklyn is trying to have to, and this this could have been Dallas, should I remind some people, yeah. are trying to decide how much money they're going to pay Spencer Dinwiddie to keep him. That is a tricky situation, um, just all, at all context considered surrounding Spencer Dinwiddie. So yeah. when you t- look at Nick Claxton, you look at Royce O'Neal, you look at Dorian Finney-Smith, even someone like Lonnie Walker, who looked to be like a pretty interesting, solid signing for them at the time, is kind of like, okay, what is going on in Brooklyn? Who's available? My guess is pretty much everyone outside of Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are available. Um, And it just is like so, so, so many questions. So many guys that are not seemingly not being correctly used. I think, I will say, I think Daron Sharp and how he's kind of surprised this year has been a really big plus for them. And I think they've even seen some some really solid... um, bright spots maybe not the most consistent but from Noah Clowney they you can kind of see what yeah. what could be there and so I think Brooklyn has options they have options because of all the assets that they have but I do absolutely think that if they're even considering going forward with starting Daron Sharp over Nick Claxton because of the shooting because of the improved defense okay if you want to do that do I agree with that I don't know that I agree with that but you've got to then decide okay well, if we're doing that, we need to trade Nick Claxton. We need to sell at least somewhat high based yeah. on last year's performance. And the same with Dorian Finney-Smith. The same with um, probably Royce O'Neal more so because he's also on, on the final year of his deal. But mm-hmm. this is a perfect situation right now where you cannot afford to miss the opportunity of maximizing on selling the assets that you have. If you don't know what direction you're going, that's not great, but it's not the end of the world. At the same time, what is the end of the world is letting guys walk for nothing just because you didn't know what to do or you didn't know what direction to go. So yeah. I fully expect them to make multiple moves. I expect them to be fielding a lot of calls because those guys can fit on lots of different kinds of teams. So yeah. that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I think somebody that could come in and steal Nick Claxton, I think Memphis should really kind of be all over that. I think that's that there are, I think yeah. there are lots of teams that are saying, okay, we kind of have – a front court role to fill. We need a little bit more rim protection. We need a little bit more defense. Okay, Nick Claxton, he's a, he's a guy worth going to get, especially mm-hmm. especially a lot of the team. Even Golden State. Golden State's another one to watch with Nick Claxton, um, yeah. a team that needs front court depth that has expendable assets. That's what I'm going to be keeping my eye on. That's a good point. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing I would say about the Nets is that if the goal, you know, they drafted well this this summer. Uh, if you ask a, a draft expert, they would say that they drafted well. Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead, Jalen Wilson. Yep. I think you got to give those guys opportunities. Like if this Absolutely. team is not going anywhere, if you're not going to be competitive, if the goal is to try to find other pieces, right, for a team that isn't necessarily going to go out and, you know, Yes, they have the opportunity to trade for these stars. They have the contracts. They have the extra picks, yada, yada, yada. But for the most part, like they're kind of stuck in the middle right now with what their direction and future might be. So you Mm -hmm. kind of need to play these young guys 
to see if you have anything else left in the arsenal. Because if Derek Whitehead or Noah Clowney or Jalen Wilson turn into something, now you have more you assets. Be ready. Now exactly. you have something else that you can move. Now or or you can keep them. You know, you can keep them and develop them and you can trade some of these other guys knowing that you have someone else behind them that is competing for a roster spot. So right. um gonna be interesting to see what the Brooklyn Nets do uh in general. I wanted to bring up one team that is doing well. Lauren, because it, we've started off on a negative note, uh, and I wanted to kind of give some positivity out. Shout out to the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans, they have won four in a row. They're seven and three in their last 10. They have also done a great job in the month of December defending the hell out of the ball. They are second in defense through the month of December until now. They are one of the only teams that is top 10 in offense and defense throughout the entire season. Zion Williamson is starting to play better. CJ McCollum is obviously healthy now, and that has helped this team. For the most part, the Pelicans in general have been healthy. Brandon Ingram is playing much more better defense. And the Pelicans just pulled off a really nice win against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Just pulled off a win against the Lakers. Pulled off wins against, you know, some other teams. They've beat some easy competition, but they beat the Timberwolves twice now. And I kind of like them as this sort of sneaky, dark horse type of player that can, uh, sorry, team that can kind of creep up on any team in the Western Conference. They're 21 and 14th. They're sitting at six in the West. They're probably, if health permits, they are going to be a playoff team this year. And I just want to say, finally, I know, finally, because they are healthy and it looks good. And fingers crossed, Lauren, I have every single limb in my body think crossed right now to be able to say this team needs to just stay healthy. That's mm-hmm. all they need to do. That is literally all that is required for the New Orleans Pelicans to look good. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all. Um, and so, yes, kudos to them. Shout out to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they do deserve the props. Absolutely. I Going back to our, our New Year's resolution episode where I said that they need to pick a direction with Zion – if this is the version that they're getting in terms of everybody looking to not just win and be competitive and 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 buy in, but really, but at the individual level, buy into their roles. If they're going yeah. to do that, this is a really good team. It's a really fun team. It's a really well balanced team. The the depth the depth that they have, and the guy, it's and the guys that they have on their bench and what they're doing for them. Dyson Daniels, Larry Nance, like all, even Najee Marshall, like they've got yeah. a really really solid team. It's just a matter of staying healthy and staying bought in and so i want to continue to see it over a stretch of time the minnesota win was a big one uh and even the win over the lakers was was pretty dominant pretty solid and so you know getting that performance from your top trio and 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 giving it to the lakers is always something that is is good for morale um and and good for momentum building so i want to see these guys continue to um kind of keep that pace and keep the keep keep the level the level of play up and I'll kind of keep an eye on on what happens one way or the other. Because. Their January, I'm just looking at it. Their January schedule is tough. And this yeah. might be a good test to good see, test. you know, how they look. I'll just reel off their next games versus the Clippers at Sacramento, at Golden State, at Denver, at Dallas twice. And then you play Charlotte, Phoenix, Utah, then OKC, Milwaukee, Boston, Houston, San Antonio. That is tough. It's kind of a tough schedule. Pretty tough schedule, actually, if you look at it. They do have some easy wins in there, but for the most part, I think that's going to be a good test for them to Mm -hmm. see if they can kind of, one, beat the better teams, you know, 
And two, if they can kind of sustain this level of defense, I think their defense has been really, really sensational, especially in the half court. Brandon Ingram looks fly. Uh, you know, Zion Williamson is looking a little bit more, you know, I guess intense and bought into their defensive scheme. Uh, it really is. There's just two simple things about basketball and that's effort and that's buy-in. And right now the Pelicans are doing that and also staying healthy, ladies and gentlemen. So they have stayed healthy throughout. So two goods. I'm sorry, two bads, one good there in terms of us talking about those teams. Let's talk about the teams we cover, Lauren. Um, Obviously, you know, the Raptors are heavy in the news right now just because of the OG Ananobi trade. Emmanuel quickly turned up in his second game as a Memphis Grizzly, as a Memphis Grizzly against the Memphis Grizzlies, um, scoring 26 points. Uh, He was like emphatic, just incredible been exactly what this Raptors team has needed from the guard spot. Uh, things look good for the Dallas Mavericks. For the Dallas Mavericks too, I guess you could say things look <laughs> yeah. good. I am all over the place right now. <laughs> things look good for the Toronto Raptors. Things also look good for the New York Knicks who are 2-0 and with OG Ananobi in the lineup. They look much better. Adding a talent like that is going to help them defensively. I mean, just in general. His defensive prowess is something that I think is going to pop off the chart in New York it's going to be even more noticeable because obviously him being in the bigger market, more players are just going to more, more media, more fans are just going to notice the type of player, the defensive player that OG Ananobi can be, you know, his first game was against Anthony Edwards. He limited him second game. Obviously I think it was against the, the Rockets. I believe it was, I can't remember, but um, anyways, regardless, like they, he's doing an incredible job on defense. The other side of it is how they're going to incorporate him offensively. I think the question I have is like Julius Randle missed him on so many wide open threes in the first couple of games that they've had. I need to see Randle make a more concerted effort to get him involved because he's going to be yeah. one of your best shooters now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of curious to see how good the Knicks look in, in the playoffs now because they now have someone that can guard a Jason Tatum. They now yeah. have someone who can guard a Joel Embiid. They now have someone who can guard, you know, uh, whoever else in the East. Giannis, right, in the Eastern Conference, right? So, like, they have an option now to throw at those types of guys, and I think that helps them when it comes to challenging the top dogs in the Eastern right. Conference. So while – you know, they have, they've lost Mitchell Robinson this season. Isaiah Hartenstein has been awesome for them. And yeah, yeah that's good. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and I guess this could be a segue towards your Dallas Mavericks. This mm-hmm. was the joke that I had mentioned to you earlier. <laughs> yes. um, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks front office. Uh, it's just been, you know, splendid, splendid thing. The fact that you did not pay Jalen Brunson. It's all good. Look, the, the offer was there. You guys, I, I remember Mark Cuban. He said that the offer was there. He, he wanted to show the text. Remember, he, he showed the text mm-hmm. that he said, look, look, the offer was there. We had it for him. <laughs> um, so shout out to you guys for not landing the deal because Brunson ended up going to New York. And in New York, they needed to find a new home for Emmanuel quickly because of it. And Emmanuel quickly is a Toronto Raptor because of that. So by proxy, thank you so much to the Dallas Mavericks and, and shout out to you, Lauren, for helping us out, <laughs> helping, helping the Toronto Raptors get their point guard of the future. It's wild how <laughs> the connections of the NBA, the podcast, and just how things can just it's wild that things can just, oh, my team, and all of a sudden it impacts your team. And all of <laughs> yeah. a sudden it's just, I mean, the, the league is crazy. Everything that happens is crazy, but it's so fun to cover. And 
I can't believe that you guys have Emmanuel quickly. I'm very bitter. I'm very bitter. <laughs> yeah. I, no, look, he's been awesome. Uh, they're they're going to obviously have to go through the kinks of like figuring it out. He's he's going to be expanding his role, right? Like, and, yeah, absolutely. and him expanding his role is going to go through like the growing pains of figuring out how to be a lead ball handler, making plays for others, et cetera. Like that's a huge aspect of developing, right? Um, and being a, a star point guard, which yeah. I actually think I'm pretty bullish on him becoming one. Like I, I yeah, actually absolutely. think- he has that level to him as an offensive score, dynamite score to be like an all-star level player. So who knows? We will see. Uh, that's that's one thing that I'm really interested to track over these next couple of weeks. Yeah. Again, most people will bring up the Pascal side of things and like what's going to happen there. But I'm honestly just I'm I'm unsure enjoying at the this ride point. For now. And I am I, enjoying the ride. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you without getting into the Pascal stuff, seeing just kind of the I don't want to say the lineup because obviously Pascal is a huge part of that, but RJ's fit, IQ, and the Scotty two two man game. Do you have any thoughts about Gary Trent Jr. and his role on the team, and also yeah. even beyond Gary Trent Jr., but like other specific areas that they might go out and look to improve, completely separate from a Pascal trade? Yeah, it's tough to envision Gary being. Uh, a long-term fit of this team now given the new nucleus and how it's kind of looking together i mean all that can all change too just because i don't think schroeder is a long-term fit on this team either and i think they would rather have quickly be their you know quickly is their starting point guard but like have quickly be the main facilitator on this team have scotty be a main facilitator for this team rj barrett has been really really good in his first two games now we'll see we probably will get the full rj barrett experience um but i i just i think there is a level of clarity in terms of the roles now where last you know before the trade there wasn't that level of clarity now you have emmanuel quickly who is this like release valve score type who can ball, handle the ball more. You have more trust in Scotty Barnes. I think they are empowering RJ Barrett to be a creator as well. Obviously, Pascal now has this has this freedom to just be the scorer that he is. Like He's just been cooking teams in the first couple of games in this new nucleus. I think there's just a clear, like, clear identity in terms of what responsibilities each player has on any given night. I think that was a little confusing before the trade you know, they were kind of scrapping, finding ways to figure out how they can win any given game. And right. now they have a sort of identity in terms of how they want to win and what they want to do to win on any given night, which is different from the Raptors that we've seen for the first 33 games. Uh, yeah, Raptors basketball is good. The vibes are really, really good right now. When you have a guy like Quickly, I think they're developing the chemistry with Scotty. That's going to be something interesting to watch over this next, you know, four or five months. And I'm excited, Lauren. It's fun to watch Raptors basketball again. It's and fun. that was more than I could say about the first 30 whatever games of, of the season. It was tough. Tough you didn't to cover. enjoy that? Well, it was tough because like you look at it and, and I'm doing these recaps every game. And I'm like, well, how am I going to explain for the 30th time in a row why they lost the exact same way? You know, yeah. and, and it's, it feels like I was just, it was like groundhog day in uh, terms of me coming and telling you guys, Oh, well, look, the Raptors lost because of this, this, this. And towards the end of it, I was kind of like, I don't know how else to explain it to you guys. This team just doesn't make a lot of sense. There's no roster construction. There's, there is roster construction issues that now have been alleviated from this trade. I think, well, we might be able to look back on this trade and say it was a win-win. 
Talk to me about your Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie Irving is back. Kyrie is back. He looked absolutely incredible last night. They they obviously stomped the Portland Trailblazers, which is exactly what you should do if you're really a good team. You need to be, yeah. you know, taking care of the the maybe not so good teams. So that was good to see. I think the biggest thing about getting Kyrie back and, and his game last night was there was a clear, very, very clear difference in how aggressive he was, the shot selections. I mean, he I, I almost just said that he looked like Tim Hardaway Jr. dribbling down the court and just firing away. And that is kind of the Kyrie that we want to see. We want to see him, you know, attacking the rim and just being everywhere on on the offensive end of the floor. And so that yeah. was really, really good to see. Unfortunately, Derek Lively went down last night. Was very frustrating to see a 30-point lead and to lose a big piece the way that that went down. So that sucks. Hopefully it's not super significant at this point in time. We're recording at 2 PM on the fourth, which is a Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. I have not heard anything about the severity of his ankle sprain. That's what it was listed. Right. Or that's what he was ruled out with last night for the remainder of the game. But that's something that I'm looking to see. They have this seven, seven game homestand that, you know, We'll see how that goes, whether you've got Derek Lively, you don't have Derek Lively, but they've had a tough schedule so far this season. And so to have them have this homestand could be a really, really good thing for them kind of going into trade season, going into, you know, the new year and and just kind of the the point that we're at in the season. So getting Josh Green back, getting Kyrie back has been huge. And hopefully they'll kind of continue to trend in the direction that we saw them last night, especially after the Utah game. The Utah game was pretty rough. Mm -hmm. Um in terms of effort, I felt like there was just a, and, and Jason Kidd said that he, he was like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lot to the effect of they, Utah played very hard. We did not. And so, right. um, getting Josh back, he played in the starting lineup last night. I was curious to see what that looked like because Luca and Kyrie like to try and play with a little bit more pace. That's been a point of emphasis this year. So I think that for Josh specifically, it might bode well for him to be in that starting lineup with Grant Williams kind of being in the, uh, that's not really, he's not the clear cut starter right now. So I think you give Josh that, that, that spot and see how he handles it. And if it's not good enough, maybe go back to Grant Williams or maybe in a month and four days, that problem is already solved for you. So um, there's a lot to kind of keep an eye on with Dallas right now at this pivotal point of the season for them. Um, And I'm curious to see what happens if Derek Lively is out for an extended period of time. It was the same left ankle that he sprained and was out with previously. So a little nervous about how that's going to look, but overall I think there's a lot to be, pleased with and a lot still to be desired. So um, they seem to be aware of the areas that they can improve and hopefully we'll see it shortly. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. Dallas is a very interesting uh, domino in this whole trade cycle thing and what they might do. Obviously like the, the reports that they're interested in Siakam and Mark Stein said those were, you know, a little bit overstated if you will. Uh, But I'm kind of interested to see just in general, if they do anything else, like what kind of other moves could they, shift and shake out to make this roster a little bit more uh, defensive minded, I guess is the way to put it. I do think that they will do something. I don't know what it will be, but I think that they could stand to get either some more front court depth Mm -hmm. um, or even just perimeter defense. That seems to always kind of be the name of the game. Um, And so, I mean, the contracts that they have in Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, Maxie, even Dwight and Seth Curry, um, 
those are all contracts that are very, even Josh Green, I hate to say it, but there are so many movable contracts that they have right now. And they picked up those second round picks in the Grant Williams sign and trade. So I would be floored if they did not make a trade. Some kind of move. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd be surprised. It, it feels like one of those trade deadlines that might be really busy, but then mm-hmm. now that I say that, I kind of feel like maybe it won't be as busy because everybody feels like they have a chance. Um, yeah, there's just a, a ton of clarity and a ton of parity, excuse me, uh, in the NBA right now. I mean, yeah. like in the Eastern Conference, there's 12 teams that think they can make it to the 10 spots. In the West, you know, with the way the Utah Jazz are playing now, they're 16 and 19. They're, they've won seven of their last 10 games. They've started to roll as well. There's like 12 teams that think they can make it to the play in. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's a very interesting league now with talent spread throughout. And the next month or so of basketball might really shake things up, right? You, we just talked about the Pelicans and the Pelicans climbing up the Western Conference standings. They stay healthy. They could end up being like a top four or five seed in the West. And how does that change the way other teams operate? Talked about the Lakers, a team that is maybe struggling a, a little bit right now, and they're going in the wrong direction. How does that team react? And what does that look like five weeks from now? Same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. You look at them and you say, well, this team is wholly confusing. They probably need to make a trade and they have not looked very good at all. Like, what is their direction? We talked mm-hmm. about the Raptors, the Mavericks, two teams that probably still aren't done making trades. And it's it's interesting just because there's so much talent in the league and so much maneuvering that could happen. Should it? Will it? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. For, anything else you got before we head out? Um, I will say real quick, I do think the East, when you look at the Eastern stand, the Eastern Conference standings, I think things are pretty well laid out in terms of expectation and how things yeah. have actually played out. I think when I'm looking at teams that are most likely to make trades, apart from like the bottom three that should be sellers, I right. do think Atlanta, Brooklyn, and then maybe Cleveland and maybe Indiana just because of the different conversations with those teams more so than Atlanta and Brooklyn. Those are the teams that I'm looking at to make potential trades. Whereas in the West, having Phoenix, LA, Golden State, Memphis, all the way towards the right. bottom, that's where I'm like, and even Dallas, you can even love Dallas in there. Um, yeah. That is where I'm like, things could potentially really shake up there. Uh, you so could, it's the you could honestly convince me any team in the league right now probably needs to make a trade. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I actually completely agree in terms of like buyers and sellers. That that totally mm-hmm. makes sense to me. But like you look at the Spurs who are not a good team this year, five and 28. And you're like, man, you need a point guard. You need to yeah, desperately 100%. find another guard with Portland. It's like, how are you going to get rid of Malcolm Brogdon and give room <laughs> right. to those other guys in Detroit? Yeah. It's like, how are you going to find help in general? You know? Uh, and so even the top dogs, right? Boston, how can we move around the margin margins, Milwaukee? How can we yeah. move around the margins, Minnesota, OKC, whatever, right? It, that's why trade stuff is so interesting because you can move 100%. in a million different directions. And that's why Lauren Gunn is going to continue doing the fan spell stuff, ladies and gentlemen. All Watch day, your mouth. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for the people who are tapped in to the Objective Basketball Podcast. If you would like to tap into our stuff on video at SDPN's YouTube channel, you can watch our stuff there. You can listen to it. Give us a Google review or Apple pod review or whatever the hell you do to review it. We appreciate it as always. Thank you so much for tapping in. We will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Follow house 
at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.